you have picked a great day to be in the house of God. As I said, we're going to continue our message that we've been talking about, discussing, going deeper on this, this thought, this idea of fighting for your field. Did you know that y'all have a field? You all have a field of life. You are blessed beyond you can even think, see, or imagine how blessed you are. And so your field encompasses every area of your life. It's your, it's your spirituality. It's your healing. It's your health. It's your ministry. It's your job. It's your home. It's your family. It's, it's all these things. And each and every one of us has a field. And this morning, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit speaks through me to inspire you to get up, tell the devil who he is, and begin to fight for your field. Because each and every one of us, yes, we have a field, but also each and every one of us are called to fight. Stand in truth, and our fight is a spiritual fight. The Word says that we, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but spirits and principalities of this world. And the way that we fight is through prayer, is through relationship with other believers, is with His Word. You have to fight with what God says. It's your only offensive weapon. So you got to know His Word. And you have to stand in truth, and you have to fight confidently, boldly, and you have to fight with your faith in what Jesus has done for you, what he's yet to do for you, what he's going to do for you, and ultimately what he's done on the cross. My God, my Father has already fought for me through his son Jesus, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to fight for him because he loves me and he loves you this morning. Amen? So before we get into the new part of our message, I want to go ahead and uh, recap a couple points and look at our foundational scriptures that we used as we started this three weeks ago. So look there at that first verse, 1 John 5, 4. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Somebody say victory. That has overcome the world, what? Our faith. The victory that has overcome the tests, the trials, the attacks of the enemy, the strategies of the enemy against your life, how you overcome those things is through your faith. And what? And what Jesus Christ has done. How do we fight for our fields? We fight for our fields through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we begin to fight. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Pastor Ian, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to fight, but what are we fighting? Who am I fighting? Do you know you have an enemy? He despises you, he hates you, he's jealous of you, he's jealous of your position in Christ. He's jealous in your position of hearing hope in the gospel this morning. And he's going to come against your life as long as he possibly can until you die and pass away one day in this place. So let me tell you about your enemy. 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, that's who your enemy is, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We, you and me, we have an enemy. Isn't it amazing how Peter here in the scripture describes the devil as a lion walking around looking for prey? If you know anything about lions, you know that lions, they look for the weakest, most alone, somebody say alone, prey it can find. Why? Because that's easy pickings. 
So if you're doing life alone, hear what the Lord is saying. You need to get plugged in. You need to surround yourself with some people that love you and care for you. And that will not just love and care for you. They'll fight with you. Come on, somebody. Fighting with others is, is better than fighting alone. And so what if the church, anybody part of the holy church this morning, would begin to uh, 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 walk around and seek and devour its enemy like the enemy tries to do to the church? Come on, somebody. We need to get on the offensive side of the spiritual warfare and bring the attack against the enemy. If we could turn that around and begin to attack him, the thing is, we're not standing in confidence. We're not standing boldly in truth. We don't know his word. But if I begin to do those things, now the spirit of God rises inside of me and I have confidence and I have boldness and I don't feel condemned and I don't feel shamed because I'm living for the one. And now I can speak truth and demons can flee. I can lay hands on other people and they can be healed in Jesus' name. You're loved in Christ this morning. He's for you. Amen. If he be for you, even if it is the stinking devil. Somebody say stinking devil. Uh, he's against you, but my God is for you. Come on, somebody. Our God casted Satan from heaven. Because Satan tried to set himself up as God. So it's, it's, it's not big devil, you know, tiny Jesus. No, you better flip that around, buddy. It's big God, little devil. Little devil for us this morning. Let's look at that, um, that first point. It's a recap point. It's one we're going to have this morning. So we actually said this last week. So as I begin to see my God, who he is, I begin to see and recognize and, and see that, okay, I'm in a spiritual fight. Every single day I wake up, whether you want to be or not, when you go to work, you are a part of spiritual warfare. There are things going on in the heavenly realms that you cannot even see and even feel. That's why we need the Holy Spirit every day to help us see those and identify those opportunities to help people, to pray for people, to love on people, and also knowing the enemy is coming against my life. And so as I see that, recognize that, this is how we can begin to get victory in spiritual warfare. It's really simple. I have to begin to see who my Father is. you got to know who your God is. you got to know who you are. you got to know your capabilities. you got to know those things that God's placed inside of you. you got to begin to seek out your purpose and your giftings that God has placed inside of you. And then as you know who your father is and who you are, then you can begin to figure out and study who your enemy really is. That's how you begin to set up a plan, a strategic plan against the enemy. When I do that, I become a disciple of Christ. How do I fight? I have to actively be engaged every single day on growing in my discipleship and who Jesus Christ is. That's how you fight. Believing in Jesus, having that moment of faith that says, okay, God, I believe in you, that's a moment. Discipleship is a lifetime. And that's how we daily fight. So how do I study my God? How do I study myself? How do I study the enemy? I, I, be, I engage in discipleship through my word and through my relationships. And I study, 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 study. Somebody say study. Say study. Say study. Amen. That's what you have to do. You have to be growing in your faith. You have to be becoming a disciple every day. Better than I was yesterday. Uh, better than I am today. Hopefully tomorrow in Jesus' name. A progressive growth. 
in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, as I study, I don't just study the word, and I study who my father is, I need to study myself on a daily basis, examine who am I, really, really what am I doing, Jesus, am I really following you, then I really have to study my enemy so that I can have a strategic plan for victory and success for me, for my family, for my kids, for my job, all those things. And God will bless that. Amen. Let's look at that next point. So last week, we kind of did a compare and contrast. Y'all remember, we, we talked about an aspect of the enemy and how he works, and we compared how that is against how the Father loves us. We talked about the condemnation of the devil, how the enemy always wants you to feel condemned. He wants you to second-guess God, second-guess who you are in Christ, second-guess all the things that God's even doing in your life so that you'll what? Basically, give up. You'll roll over like a whoop dog. And the enemy will then point at you and say, see, I told you so. He wants you to live in condemnation and shame. So we, we said that last week. We laid that out for you. And we said, he works that way, but God, he affirms you. Right? The enemy wants to condemn you. God, our Father, affirms you. He says, I love you. You have favor. I've chosen you. I've blessed you. You have a field to fight for. You have generations behind you to fight for. You have, you have the truth of the gospel in your heart. You have signs, miracles, and wonders that I've perfected in your life that I want you to share with others. I'm taking you from here, and I'm taking you over here to the promised land. Come on, somebody. Anybody going to the promised land with me? Come on, let's go. Let's go to the next thing, the next level, right? New, new levels, new devils. If you're sick and tired of fighting that same old enemy, you've got you to gotta beat that enemy so you can pass the, the test and go on to the next one, to the next one. And so God affirms us, and so today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do the same thing, but there's another aspect. You know, when the enemy's not condemning you, he's tempting you. When the enemy is not condemning you, he's tempting you. So we're going to talk about the temptation of the enemy this morning. Satan attacks us through temptation. I was checking to see if you're all paying attention. Put it in the chat if you're watching online. He attacks us through temptation. He wants you to see that thing. It looks good, smells good, might feel good, and it's all a strategic plan against your life. Satan uses temptation to drag us away. Somebody say drag us away from God and bring us into the bondage of sin which gives birth to death. He wants to use temptation in your life to simply do that, to drag you away from God. You might actually be in a place where you're beginning to trust God and believe God and see God working in your life. And usually when you're about to pass that test and get over the, the hump, get over the hill, get over the wall of that exhaustion of that thing you've been praying and believing for, the enemy knows if you could just get over that last, sometimes, you know, God's always on time, but sometimes he answers that prayer in the last hour, right? And he'll begin to tempt you with this thing over here to distract you and to drag you away from what God is really wanting to do, and he's about to bless you. Temptation is always a snare of the enemy. And temptation is always disguised as a satisfactory thing. 
Temptation disguises sin as satisfaction. It dresses it up. It dresses up sin, this thing that's going to hurt you, kill you, and destroy you, in a nice, neat, can I say sexy thing? Is that okay? Thing. To drag you away and entice you from what God wants to do. There is a story I heard. In Africa, I believe, there was a tribe that were, they hunted monkeys. And it's really kind of crazy how they captured the monkeys. And so all they did is they built this little trap. It was like a box. And they put a banana in the middle of it. And then in one side of the box was a hole just big enough for the monkey to stick his hand in and grab the banana. The funny thing is, when the monkey would reach in and grab the banana, it would never let it go. So it couldn't take his hand back out. Allowing the tribe to come and capture the monkey. A lot of us are spiritually living this way with the sins that we secretly enjoy. That got real quiet. That thing that you secretly enjoy that God has already showed you, identified as sin, it's killing you spiritually, it's going to kill you physically, it's going to kill you. God can't bless you and redeem you and set you free as long as you're holding on to it with tight gripped fists. But isn't it amazing all the monkey had to do, all you and I have to do this morning, we sung about this morning, is I surrender. Now, it may have to start with a thought, it may have to start internally and spiritually, but eventually, somebody say eventually, in order for you to experience real freedom, it's going to have to manifest physically. You can have the thought, okay, I'm going to let go of that. Okay, I'm going to drop that thing. I'm, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to quit uh, surrounding myself around these negative-minded people because every time I'm around them, I feel worse than I did when I, uh, I'm, I'm going to quit looking at this stuff online. You can start with a thought, but it has to be transferred to your heart. God has to affirm what he said in your heart, and then you'll start to feel bad about the thing that you're doing. We're going to talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning, how it actually protects us from the temptations of the world. And when I do that, now I, by faith, have to do something different. And then my beliefs actively become new behaviors. And God sets me free. And so if that's you this morning, let go. Let it go. Look at James 1, 12 through 15. I love this scripture. I, I love James. If you haven't read James... I'm giving y'all homework this week. It's only like four or five chapters. It is so good. Somebody say, so good. Your quiet time this week, read the entire book of James. So much meat in there. But look at verse 12, what we're talking about. He's talking about uh, temptations. We're talking about temptations this morning as we're trying to fight for our fields and we want to have victory, right? So look at verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently <laughs> endure testing and temptation. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit of God. 
It is something that is cultivated over a period of time. And so if, if you're battling with patience, just, just be patient in the Lord. It says, afterward, they receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from where? Come on, y'all sound real quiet and weak and beat up this morning. Our own desires. God is not tempting you with those things. You secretly want to do those things, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, when it's fully developed, it gives birth to death. God is never going to tempt you. God is never going to intervene with your free will. He wants you to love him because he wants you to choose to love him. He wants you to say, okay, God, I love you more than this thing that I secretly enjoy. And he wants you to show him. Prove it to him. You might say, man, that's going to be hard. That's going to be tough. Are you glad that God showed you and proved to you how much he loves you? How did he do that? Oh, he just sent the most perfect gift to the earth. His son, Jesus, without sin his whole life. Experienced the death on a cross that you and I actually deserve because of our own evil desires that drag us and pull us away from the calling of God. If he proved it to us, we should fight and prove it to him. Look at Matthew 4.1. We can always look at the life of Jesus and gather some insights and some thoughts. If Jesus experienced some things, it probably means that I'm going to experience some things. Did you know that even Jesus was tempted by the enemy? Right? Verse 1, chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up to the Spirit, or up of the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by who? Our enemy that we're talking about this morning. He was tempted. You and I will be tempted. How did he overcome? Y'all are smart. How did he overcome? He used the word of God, right? How the enemy tried to fight against him and confuse him and tempt him with the word of God. You know, sometimes the devils will twist scripture to get you to second guess God and second guess yourself. Did, did the Holy Spirit really show you that? If it's in here, hear me. It's truth. If it's in here, he'll perfect it. God finishes what he starts. It's in his word. And so you have to not just stand on his word, you have to literally fight with his word. You stand on his word and you fight with his word. Amen? That's how you fight the temptations of the enemy. When the enemy is tempting you at, I don't know when, the wee hours of the morning, when he comes in the middle of the night with the thoughts and the doubts and the, the sadness and the sickness, and the temptation is to just begin to doubt God or to take this problem and begin to try doing it my own way or to, to just simply give up. In those moments, are you, just, are you spiritually deflating? 
Or are you actually spiritually rising up? Because that's when we fight. That's when the fight begins to take place, is when the attacks come. How do you respond? Your response is proof to what you are actually believing in when those attacks come. And so I have to see that and recognize that. And the enemy wants to tempt you, not just to make you feel defeated and feel shame and feel condemned. He wants to defeat you so that you'll eventually choose sin over God. Let's look at that next point. Because the whole hidden scheme of the enemy, the whole hidden strategy of the enemy is when you're tempted, it's, 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 it's satisfaction disguised as sin. What does sin do to the church? It separates us. It, it, it defiles us. Sin has to be dealt with. When I fall short, I have to renounce the sin. I have to say, God, I sinned. I have to ask forgiveness. I have to believe that he's, he's well and able to forgive me. And then if I really believe that, my lifestyle has to change. I can't trample the grace of Jesus. And so I'm forgiven through Jesus. And so the, the, the scheme of the enemy is to tempt us because that thing, that secret snares, actually disguised as sin. And look at that point. It says, when we are bound by sin, we what? Become pregnant with death. When you are living in sin, by choice, you are literally impregnated with death. We labor through life just to give death, a birth to more death. Our lives become the breeding grounds for sorrow, pain, and death. We lose our field of influence. And worse, we become negative influence, pushing people away from God. Sin kills everything. Somebody say everything. Sin does not discriminate it kills everything that it touches. And as a believer, as a Christian, if we are by choice choosing sin over God, isn't that different than when we were lost, didn't know the truth, just sinning in our natural, uh, fleshly-leaning ways and desires? Right? Because now I know the truth. I say this all the time. You've become accountable to what you know now. God's grace is the same, but it has to become greater in my life to empower me to, to, to say yes to God and no to the enemy, no to the temptations, no to sin, no to those desires. That's when the life of God literally is born and comes outside of you and is externally manifested with what I internally believe. When we choose to live in sin, we are stuck living a, a cycle of death. Guilt, shame, condemnation, negative-mindedness. Passive spirit. We talked about that last week. A passive spirit. I, I, I know one thing to be true. No one's ever won any victory on the face of the planet, whether it was a, was a, a battle and war, whether it was a football game, a basketball game, a, a whatever kind of game it was, because they were passive. Jesus Christ was never passive. Why? Because he knew who he was in his father's eyes. Know who you are in your father's eyes. See, but if I'm living in sin in the dark and nobody knows about it, are you going to experience some condemnation if you believe in Christ? But what we, we talked about that last week. What's the truth, though? There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So you have to renounce those things. Get up. Dust yourself off and begin to tell the enemy who he is. And those things all bring more pain, uh, 
more resentment even, more doubt and spiritual death. Then what happens? That, that type of life, when I live that way, that's, that's a bad way to live. I've been there. When you live that way, what happens? That rubs off on every other person that we come in contact with. You're negative, you hate your life, and you begin to rub off on others. And it's the cycle of death that's not just affecting you, now it's affecting your family. You know, Xander is growing up so fast, and it is so amazing, just the, 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 the wonder in his eyes. He just takes everything in, and I say that because he is watching me and Pastor Jessica, how we act, how we respond, and he is watching. Your family is watching you. And when you come, when you when the enemy comes against your life and there's an opportunity to shame the devil and give glory to God, what kind of response are you having? Because your response is going to speak louder than anything you can ever say to them. You can bring them to church and say, they'll say, Mom and Dad, why do we believe in Jesus? Because we, we believe in Jesus. They're not going to believe in Jesus based on what you tell them. They're going to believe in Jesus based on how they see you live your life. And so when those opportunities come to choose my flesh and to choose my negative leaning mind or whatever it is that's holding me back, it's a moment for us to grasp to say, you know, I'm going to fight for my field today, every day in Jesus' name. Even when it gets harder, I'm going to press on even harder. God, because you're going to do something in and through this. Amen in Jesus' name. Look at Galatians 5.9. And this is why we can't be tempted by sin, because God, he doesn't see levels of sin like you and I do. What does Galatians 5.9 says? It says, a little. Somebody say a little. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven is, is a fancy word for yeast. You don't need a whole lot just to put into that, that dough batter to make it rise. So in Galatians, he's saying sin, no matter how much, it doesn't matter. One sin, one little sin, God just sees sin. I, I see sin in levels, right? Like so-and-so is in prison because they killed 10 people. But I'm over here, I'm just dealing with my, my addictions, my habits, my hang-ups, right? So I'm like better than they are. Here's, here, here's some hard truth. God just sees sin. He sees you the same as that person as you, as you are in, in whatever boat you're in. And we're only, the cool thing is, the most amazing thing is, that person in prison and this person over here is all redeemed by the same standard. Do they believe in Jesus? And what are they doing with their life based on what they believe? If that, that prisoner gets born again, has a true repentant heart, and allows God to speak to him and use him the rest of the days of his life, he's going to enter into heaven one day. And you could have been over here, Holy Spirit's dealing with you to, 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 to quit some hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You got unforgiveness in your heart. Uh, God told you to quit smoking, and you're still smoking. Uh, you're not, you're, God told you to quit looking at pornography, and you're still looking at pornography. And if you don't give those things up and have a repentant heart for the things you did, you are not going to enter into the gates of heaven one day because of the temptation and because of the sin that you chose. That sin breeds death. It's a cycle of death over and over and over 
And the only remedy is Jesus and your obedience. That's the only remedy. Obedience, one of our favorite words here, LCHP, right? Jesus and obedience is the only key to your victory. So get up and fight. Somebody say fight. Get up and fight. You can get up and fight this morning. Let's look at that. Let's look at the good, the good part, the good stuff this morning. So the enemy, he tries to condemn us. He tries to tempt us to draw us away and entice us away from God, to trust other things, other people, places, and things. And so what does God do? God always has a plan. He always has a plan. And so God, he strengthens us to overcome temptation through the what? Conviction of the Holy Spirit. I talked about this a little last week, and I'm going to expand more on it this morning. The rest of that statement says, God will not allow the temptation of sin to be greater than his grace upon your life. Temptation is an outward draw. I love this. Conviction is an inward power. Conviction is an inward power that God has graced you with. The enemy wants you to feel condemned, but God wants to convict you before that condemnation can take root in your life. The thing is, when God convicts you through the Holy Spirit, don't do that thing that you secretly want to do, but you've heard the voice of God. Don't do that thing. What is God trying to do? He's convicting you to protect you ahead of time, to save you the heartache, to save you the pain. The thing is, is that pain in that moment to your flesh worse then than it is going to be when, when, that, when you actually succumb to that temptation later and then have to deal with that pain. I don't know about you, but that pain in the moment to tell my flesh, no, I don't need that, no, I don't want that, no, God, you've done all these things in my life, it's not worth sacrificing all this for this two-second feel-good, three-second feel-good, whatever it is. Because I guarantee you that pain on the back end of that decision is going to be way worse. Way more regrettable. I don't want to have regrets in the kingdom of God. What if we could live our lives, church, with no regrets? God said it. Holy Spirit said it to me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it my all. Hands to the plow. Faith in Jesus. God, I thank you that you're my rear guard, my foreguard. You've gone before me. What could happen? Right? The conviction from God is what's going to, like I said, protect us from that condemnation that's going to come from the enemy. Here's the cool thing. God's power within you is greater than the temptations around you. If, somebody say if, you're in relationship with him. If you're not in a daily relationship, praying, talking to God, then the temptations externally are going to be a lot stronger than the ability to say no, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the conviction inside your life and heart. Because it's just like any old relationship on even on the planet. The more I'm in relationship with Pastor Jessica, we've been married, what, how long now, babe? Holy Spirit, come on, Jesus, five years? Best five years of my life. I know her way more than I did when we first got together. Why? Because we're in close proximity every single day together. We're in relationship. Every single day our relationship goes, it grows and goes to another level. I'll do more things for her now than I ever did on the first date. 
I'll, I'll sacrifice. I'll lay my life down. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes for my wife. It's the same with God. The longer you live for God, the clearer you hear his voice, the more you feel his conviction, the more you see him for who he is, the more you'll do for him. Because the more he does for you every single day. Isn't it funny how Pastor Jessica's my bride, and God calls his church the bride, and Jesus the bridegroom. You've got to be in a daily relationship with God to pass these tests, to get through these temptations so that you can have victory in Christ. And if you, you are not born again, Jesus is not your Savior. Any born-again believers this morning? Hallelujah. So thankful for you. If, if you're not in that boat this morning, I promise you there'll be a moment before we close today that you can make Him Lord and Savior and begin this journey, begin this fight, and begin this relationship with God. So you can stop feeling less than. You can stop feeling shame. You can stop feeling the guilt because He'll forgive you. You just got to accept Him today in Jesus' name. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And this is, if is, it applies to you if you're in relationship with God. It says, the temptations of your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will give you a way of escape. I'm going to talk about, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Sometimes the best fight for you and for me is to remove ourselves from the temptation. The best way you can fight is to escape from that situation. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But God, he's, he's not the tempter. We tempt ourselves. And if we are experiencing a tempting, God's grace is sufficient enough to always allow me to say yes or no. There's always going to be a choice. When I got born again and saved, I shared this last week in Teen Challenge, and then I left the program prematurely. I graduated and stayed on the staff, but God never said, it's time for you to go yet. I just told myself, I'm going to go for this girl, right? What did I do? I dragged and enticed myself away from the purpose of God to satisfy my flesh. But in that moment, God's grace was enough for me. I had a choice to make. In, the, in that moment, I chose the wrong choice. But it's no different for you and for me. There's always a moment to choose Him and to choose His ways, even when they hurt us. Our they don't hurt us, but they hurt my flesh, right? God, was, God still wanted to bless me with a relationship like that. It just wasn't right then. I didn't want to hear, not now. You got to get past hearing God say, the time is not now. This is for somebody. God's told you the timing's not now. How long, how much do you believe, how long can you keep doing this? Knowing he will still do it, but the, the answer is just not right now yet. Patience, right? Patience in the faith, and God will do it. Let's look at that next point. Conviction, this is the cool thing. When I actually allow the Holy Spirit conviction to, to direct and lead and guide my life, give me the power to say no, uh, and say yes to the things God wants me to say yes to, it exposes those lies. It, ex it refutes the false imaginations uh, and affirms the actual 
truth. Conviction comes directly from God and it is directly truth. Look at John 16, 8. It says, And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. When he, the Holy Spirit, will come, he will be the one to convict you. Conviction comes directly from God to protect us. Conviction is that thing that draws us back. Temptation is trying to draw you away. And in that fight, that fight or flight moment, the enemy is trying to drag you and pull you away. And God is trying to drag you and pull you back. The enemy is using temptation and God is using conviction. And you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Choose him. Please, please, today, choose him. Look at that next point. So God strengthens us to overcome temptation by creating a way of escape. His, his grace is always sufficient on my life to where I can have a way out if I choose it. We don't fight temptation. We flee from temptation. We overcome by getting out of that place of temptation I love this. Proximity creates power. We've been talking for the last four weeks on the importance of you getting up and fighting for your field, fighting for your family, fighting for your ministry, your job, all these things. This is the only time I'm going to tell you the best fight you have in temptation is to flee. Because maybe eight, maybe maybe nine times out of ten, you can successfully endure that temptation. But all it takes is one time. All it takes is one time for the enemy to have his way with you. All it takes is one more time for you to fall on your face and experience that shame and that condemnation, and you'll say, you know what, this being a Christian is too hard. And then, then what? The enemy has you right where he wants you, right? And so if you are dealing with temptation, the best thing to do is to just flee those people, places, and things. Because that's what the enemy uses. People, places, and things that are constantly trying to draw us and drag us away. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.22. It says, what? Stay away from every kind of evil. And some, uh, some, uh, Lord help me. Translations, thank you, Jesus. Uh, translation says, avoid the appearance, even the appearance of evil. So you're born again. You've, you've been set free from alcohol, but uh, all your buddies want to go to the bar, and you're like, you know what? I I'm strong enough. I can go. You can go uh, and not drink, and you can still not sin and, and be good. But what happens, maybe somebody you come to church with knows your past, knows your history. They're there not at the bar. They're there eating dinner, and they see you with all your buddies, and they're all drinking. You have engaged in the appearance of evil that is not just going to ruin your reputation, but it's going to ruin the reputation that we clothe ourselves with, who is Jesus. Your reputation is not yours anymore if you've been bought for, paid for by the blood of God. Your reputation should be lost in his reputation. And so I said all that. I didn't even need to say all that. Just don't even put yourself in that tempting place to begin with. You might pass that test once, twice, three times. Eventually, you're probably going to fail in your own strength. 
I mean, look at 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee, he says, to go. Don't even engage in it. Don't do none of it. Don't be around it. Don't get mixed up in it. Serve me. Serve one God. Worship one truth. My son, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Look at that last point. I hope you don't feel beat up this morning because you actually have all the power and authority from heaven in your life if you would just invite them in. So you are not powerless. You are powerful. Somebody say powerful. You are full of power in Jesus' name. You can be full of power in Jesus' name this morning. Temptation, here's the deal. It's going to come. It's not optional for me and you. It's there. It's always there. But victory is guaranteed in Christ. You can have victory in Christ in the midst of that temptation if you just invite him. Remember what you're fighting for. Fight for your field. Hear me. Stop fighting from a place of passiveness and intimidation. Stop fighting from a place of, 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 of fear and begin to fight from a place of favor. Come on, somebody. You have favor in Jesus' name. You have favor for grace and power and truth and spiritual giftings beyond your wild imaginations. But you have to invite him in to your life. Look at that last scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57. The sting of death is sin, and its power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the what? Victory. Say that again. The what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not sometimes, not maybe, not if you get this, not if you get that, not if you buy this thing. Your victory is guaranteed through the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. The thing is, you got to get up and you got to fight. You got to say no. You got to say not today, devil. You got to say, come on, Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit. I can do this because you've already gone before me. God, you did the hard part. The hard part for me is just saying no. Come on now. Does it really hurt your flesh that much to say no? When God is right here the whole time saying, I love you. I've seen what you've done in the dark, God says. I've seen your sins. I've seen your heart. I see your heart every single day. I see the resentment, the unforgiveness, the offense. And I still, somebody say still, choose you. How can I prove that to you? Because Jesus has already done that. He's fought for you, for you to have a choice today. To rise up, overcome, and experience victory in Jesus' name. Y'all do me a favor. I want you to pray with me. If you want to close your eyes or bow your heads. If you're watching at home, I want you to join us in prayer. I want you to get still in the presence of God. And right now, I just want to release His presence just to examine our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, just, just meet us right now, wherever we're at. Meet us. We invite you literally into our hearts, into our minds. Give us clear thoughts. 
Give us your thoughts. Your ways are higher. Your ways are not our ways. And then I need that thought that you have for my life, God, to invade my heart and to flood my heart with your love and to flood my heart with your forgiveness and flood my heart with your healing in Jesus' name. I can feel it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Now begin to show me all the blessings I have in my life. Show me my fields. Show me all the good things you ever gave me. And show me how I can stand up and fight for those things. For you, God, in victory for others. In Jesus' name, show us. If you're here this morning in the sanctuary or at home watching, and you've never made that commitment, made Jesus your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have and you want to be restored in that relationship today, either or, if you want to make a decision for Christ today that says, I'm done doing this, I'm done feeling this way, I believe, I heard what you said, Pastor Ian, that God loves me, I need forgiveness of sins, I want to get up and I want to feel better, I want to be loved by God and loved by others, I want to be used by God. If you want to make that commitment and that decision today, it's so easy. I want to ask you to do something. It's going to cost you something. It's an easy decision, but I want it to cost you something externally so that you can see what you say you're believing. I want you right now, if you're here in the sanctuary or at home, I want you just to stand up. Just stand up right now. Just stand up. You say, why do I have to stand up? There's people standing, hallelujah. I want to ask you to continue standing. If God's dealing with your heart right now, just to, he just says, stand up. He wants to see that you've received the message that he's sending you. Don't hear that lie. I can just say a prayer when I get home. You can, but the power of that miracle is going to be so much stronger if you, if you say yes to him right now in this moment. Amen. Hallelujah. We have people standing in our sanctuary. So I want to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to ask you all to repeat after me. Okay? So Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We believe in you. We ask forgiveness of our sins. Be just to forgive us. We accept your son, Jesus. We believe in your son, Jesus. Call me home to live by faith in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome, awesome. So good. God is so good. Who enjoyed church today? All of you? Praise God. We're so glad y'all came. We love you very much, okay? Uh, thank you for coming. Y'all are dismissed and come back. See us next week. All right?